0: Let's pray together, Father. Thank you, as always, for the opportunity we have to gather together to sing and celebrate, be with the people of God. And God, now as we open up your Word, we ask your Spirit, God, to be present with us. To Help us to see and to understand, God, what we're going to hear. And God, as we talked about last week, we don't possess the ability. And so by sheer grace, God, we are so dependent upon you. And so we ask you, who loves to give grace, to give even more today. God, this word that we're going to see is really such a great summation of what it is that you're doing and what your goals and purposes are. And God, in a world that is feels so chaotic at times, it's hard to understand purpose. And we have so many questions. And while we won't get them all answered, God, I do pray that we would understand what your ultimate purpose is for us and then listen to you and obey you. Because your words are good, and they are for our good, and ultimately your glory. And that's what we want, God. We want you to be glorified, and then for us, God, to get the most joy that we can out of this life. And God, thank you that those two goals are not competing with each other. And as we open your word now, God, I pray as always, you would help me to communicate it in a way that honors you glorifies you and is helpful to us and help us to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 12. We're actually wrapping up the chapter today. But before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about a couple things that are coming up uh, that we're excited about and that you need to know about. One, we've been talking about for a little bit. In fact, if you've been around here at our church uh, for any amount of time, we always, in the summer, we have a couple emphases And one of them is called Give a Kid a Chance. And it is a great ministry that we've been a part of now, again, for over a decade. It's where we get backpacks and we help kids in our communities, not only in Cherokee County, but Pickens County. But we have this incredible opportunity that we've been given now. Uh, We've been having conversations with the leaders of Give a Kid a Chance. And they came to us actually during the pandemic and asked us if we would help lead Give uh, Give a Kid a Chance into the future. And so we said yes to that, and now we have the opportunity not only to be a part of Get a Kid a Chance, but actually bring the entire leadership and lead the entire organization into the future, which is an incredible opportunity because of your faithfulness to serve and to give. And to I mean, we supply almost 1,400, 1,500 backpacks every year for that, and so now as a church, we are leading the entire ministry, and now we get a chance to bless our communities and and what's amazing about that, yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool. You can clap for that. Um, what's amazing is we love it, and, and, and really, because of our faithfulness to serve in the communities, they really felt like we were the best people to continue to lead it in the future, and so we talked about it, prayed about it, said yes. Yes. And now we have this opportunity not just to supply backpacks, but to bless our communities. And so this is going to be happening in July, and that's gonna be happening here in Pickens County, in Cherokee County, and in Woodstock as well. So two places in Cherokee County, one in Pickens County. And we're already working with all the school systems. A couple thousand students have already, or families have already signed up for this. And so you have an opportunity to not only give backpacks now, like we always do, but actually serve. At these events as well. And Canton is going to be at our building, and Jasper is going to be at our building, and Woodstock is going to be at another church. And we are really, really excited. That's why you got postcards on your seats when you came in today. And there is a little uh, QR code that is on there. So if you would scan that at some point, not while I'm talking, all right, just make that clear, not while I'm talking. But on there, you'll see all the supplies that we need, to, turn, to you know get all these things together for these kids, and to serve, because we want you to be a part of what is going on here. And again, it's just really been really cool. We did Hope for Christmas last year, and now give a kid a chance. So we have two huge events that we're going to be doing every year, working with our school systems to bless literally thousands of families in our communities. And so we're super, super excited about that, and that's why you got those postcards, and we want you to continue to be a part of it. Secondly, coming up, if you've been around here, is in the summer, always take a preaching break, which is good because it gives me a break, not only from preaching, but I was explaining this to Pastor David uh, this last week in our podcast, which I don't know if you subscribe to that, but this will be coming out next week, I believe it is. But I was talking about, you know, one of the greatest challenges as a pastor in preaching the word of God is when I read the Bible, I read it so often to preach it to you which I hope that works out well, and I enjoy it. I love it. But I always take a break in the summer so that I can just recalibrate my own heart and read the Bible just for myself. And that's what's amazing to me, because sometimes I'm like, oh, I can't wait to preach this. And God's like, no, that's just for you, bro which is good. And so I'm taking my break, coming up starting next week, and we will have our pastors and other ministers communicating to you. Again, this is a normal rhythm for us as a church, so especially if you're new, you may not be aware of that, Uh, or if you're inviting friends over the next few weeks, still invite them, because the point, as we say often, is not to hear from Jason, but is to hear from Jesus. And that's why we preach through the books of the Bible the way that we do. So we'll get into John chapter 13 next week for Father's Day. We have a great gift for all you fathers, so make sure you're here for that as well. And we'll just go right on through John chapter 13. I always joke, the only bad part about it is I get jealous because I want to te- preach the text myself because I enjoy it. But what I love is hearing from other communicators because they always bring out things that I wouldn't have brought out. They see things that I wouldn't have seen which again is amazing. That's why we need other voices speaking to us and ministering to us. So that'll be coming up starting next week. So make sure you stay engaged. And I know during the summer we take breaks, we take vacations. Again, that is all good and right, and we want you to do that. But make sure you're staying engaged in the life of the church. You can watch online, everybody watching online. You can give online, you can do all those things, all right? So make sure you stay engaged in the life of our church. A lot of amazing things coming up. Give a kid a chance into the school year. It's gonna be awesome. All right, let's jump in. John chapter 12. I told you last week, um, if you were here, that John, at the end of chapter 12, was giving kind of a summary of what he thought was going on, what he thought had been happening with Jesus's public ministry. Because I've told you this several times. At the end of chapter 12 is the end of Jesus's public ministry, In chapter 13, we're going to get into the private conversations that Jesus has with his disciples. But here at the end of chapter 12, John gives this summary, and that's what we looked at last week. And if you were here, that was John really struggling with people not believing. And and what he came to the conclusion based upon his reading of the Old Testament and his understanding of what Jesus had talked about, why people didn't believe. And if you weren't here, you can go back and watch that. But this week, we're going to kind of get a summary from Jesus's perspective on what happens if we believe, what happens when we believe. So last week, we talked about why people didn't believe. And this week, we're going to get basically a summary of the gospel message from Jesus's perspective of what it means to be a believer or what it looks like or what happens when we believe. So this is a great summation, if you will. We're gonna be in verses 44 through 50 of what God is doing. This is what I was talking about when I was praying about really what the purposes of God are. So let's go verse 44. It says, And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Two great truths here that I'm going to unpack. First is Jesus is giving kind of a summation, a summary of when you believe in him, what you're really believing in is the one who sent him. And and this is what makes Christianity so unique, And I say this often, and the reason why I say this often, is I want you to understand not all roads lead to God. That is a secular idea, like, well, basically all roads lead to God, which in and of itself is a viewpoint. But if I'm going to go up the mountain, right, people are like, oh, I can go up the mountain all these different ways, but I'm going to go down, there's one way. And the idea of this simply, in fact, I'm going to give it to you in the first point, is Unless we have Jesus as our Savior, we don't have God as our Father. If we don't have Jesus as our Savior, we don't have God as our Father. Jesus is connecting here himself to the Father. Again, and this is what makes this unique. Other religions in the world respect Jesus. Because you can't deny historically that a man named Jesus of Nazareth lived. You just can't deny it. And, you, and a lot of people try, and you'll see all these shows all the time about the search. If you ever see someone that says the search for the historical Jesus, it's never Christian in nature. Because they're all trying to get into all the history of it because you can't deny that he existed. Just because you don't like them. This is like saying, whatever your sports team that you hate, like, no, they don't exist. Well, just because you don't like them doesn't mean they don't exist. There's too much evidence to the contrary. And normally, let's be honest, it's because the other team wins. At least that's my case with Texas and OU. I hate OU. And, And the biggest reason why is because they take Texas kids and they beat us with them. I don't like them. In fact, it just happened in our women's softball. They destroyed us. I don't like them. I have made that known. If you're from Oklahoma, I'm sorry. We will pray for you, all right? You're welcome here, but I'm sorry, all right? But just because I don't like them, it would be foolish of me to deny their existence, right? Because there's too much evidence to the contrary. The same is with Jesus. No one, no one worth their intellectual salt denies that Jesus existed, You can't. There's too much evidence. And I've said this often. In fact, we have more copies of the Bible than any other historical book. And it's not even close. Like the Iliad and the Odyssey, those will have like 10 to 12 copies. We have over 5,000 of this, thousands upon thousands of copies. So historically, you can't deny that Jesus existed, but what people try to deny is his divinity. They try to deny that he was actually God in the flesh. And this is what Muslims say, they're like, no, 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 he's not God, God doesn't have a son, he's just a prophet. So they don't deny that he existed, but they just say he was a prophet. But here's what you need to understand. According to Jesus' own words, he won't let you have that position. He says, if you believe in me, you believe in who sent me. He even goes so far as to say, if you've seen me, you've seen him. So the biblical, again, remember this is a summary. This is a summation. The biblical message is, if you have Jesus as your savior, then you have God as your father. If you believe in Jesus, You have God. But if you don't have Jesus as your savior, then you don't have God as your father. We used to get this question early on when I came here 12 years ago and we changed or kind of reframed our mission statement to say, love Jesus, grow people. And people would say, why do you say love Jesus? You know, he's only one person of the Trinity. Why don't you just say God? And the reason why it was intentional We try to do everything around here intentionally. The reason why I didn't say love God is because there's a confusion of, well, what God are we talking about? But when you say love Jesus, we know what we're talking about. And the reason why we say love Jesus is because that's how the Bible speaks. It doesn't say love the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say love the Father, and don't hear what I'm not saying. We should love the Father and the Holy Spirit but it's the concept that Jesus is the sent one. And so since Jesus is the sent one, Jesus is the one, the second person of the Trinity, that paid the price for our salvation. The Father didn't pay it, the Spirit didn't pay it, they're involved in it, yes, but Jesus in his flesh, because it's one God, three persons, which I know is a whole nother doctrine, but Jesus is the one who actually did the saving. So when we say love Jesus, what we're saying is we're trying to cut cut through the religious clutter and say it's about Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, then you get the Father. Because that's the way the Father set it up. And, and this is what I love about our message. And I say this to, to you often, and, and when I first started saying it, people would respond to me and be like, I don't know about that. But it's this phrase. Jesus didn't die just to get you to a place. Jesus died to get you back to a person. And here's why I say that. And back when I used to say it, people were like, are you saying heaven's not a place? No, I'm not saying that. Heaven is a place. The Bible describes it as a place. But watch this. How many times have we seen the gospel presented like, well, you don't wanna go to smoking, right? You don't want eternity in hell. Don't you want heaven turn or? You know the story. You went to that camp too? You attended that church? All right. And we describe the gospel message as like, eternity, smoking or non? Well, anybody is like, well, not smoking Duh. And that's how we present the message. And all I'm saying is that's an incomplete message. Because watch this, it's not about getting you to a place, it's about getting you back to a person. And heaven is way more about God's presence than streets of gold, pearly gates. And Peter won't be standing there, y'all. That's not the point. Can y'all see that? All right, I don't know if you can see that on camera or not. I don't know if that's a presence of the Spirit or not. We'll see. (laughs) But here's the point. The point of what Jesus is saying is, if you've seen me, if you believe in me, you get him. So Jesus died to get us into the presence of a person, which is God the Father. That's the message. And the message of that God, the Father, sent the Son is because he wanted you back in his presence. You see how it makes it more personal? God wanted you back in his presence. And we can't be in the presence of God unless we're holy, which is why the Bible gives us the command, be holy as we are holy. But we can't be holy without the sanctifying, saving work of Christ. But the message is, if you believe Christ, you don't just get your sins forgiven, you get the father. And so all eternity, watch this, all eternity is going to be us in the presence of our father. And I don't know about you, but that is what makes the whole ordeal exciting, and why do you think it is, one of the? and I don't, again, I don't care what side of the political aisle that you're on, there's a lot of reasons for the problems that we're having, but almost all of them stem from, we'll get into this some next week, the lack of the presence of fathers. Why do you think Satan has taken out so many fathers? Because, he, because he's trying to destroy the image of the father in us. He doesn't want people to think being in an eternity with an eternal father is any good because their earthly father was trash. But the message of Jesus is, no, 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 no. He's not like your daddy. He's not like your father. He's a good, good father. And if you believe in me, you get him there's a problem, which goes to the second point that Jesus said, whoever sees me sent me, I have come as the light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So in order to get us to God, he has to get us out of something, which again, the message of the gospel is not just he gets us out of something, but he gets us into something. The into something is a relationship with the father. The out of something here, he says, is darkness. Now, metaphorically speaking, the Bible uses darkness and light to describe sin and truth or ungodliness and righteousness. See, the problem is we're in darkness. And this is what I was talking about last week. If you were here, that they didn't believe because they couldn't believe. And why couldn't they believe? It's because they loved the darkness too much. They didn't have the ability to get out of the darkness, which is why Jesus came. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter three, verse 19 and 20. Again, i like to show you where I get these things in the Bible so that you can see I'm not making them up. I have this on the screen, John three, 19 through 20. It says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved The darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. This is where we have to really, this is what I was getting at last week when we're talking about the concept of original sin. We're talking about the concept of total depravity. When I told you humans are not basically good, that occasionally make bad decisions, we are bad who occasionally make good decisions, but even those good decisions we do for our own selfless reasons, which is why we post them on Instagram, serving at the soup kitchen, right? Here's what you and I have to come to grips with. The reason why we sin is because we love it. And I don't know if you've been walking with Jesus long enough or have lived long enough to understand this about your heart, You're not a sinner because you sin. Watch this. You sin because you're a sinner. You sin because you love it. This is what I say to you. You don't have to teach your kids how to sin. You don't have to teach your kids how to say mine. You don't have to teach your kids to be selfish. They come by it naturally. And yeah, they got it from you. Whoever their birth parents were, we trace it all the way back to Adam. That's where it comes from. It's our nature. Our nature is we love darkness. And if you and I don't grapple with that in our own hearts, and this is where my prayer life and my walk with Jesus started changing when I was in my 20s because I realized the reason why I struggled with sin is because I loved it. It wasn't because, oh, I'm really a good person, you know, and occasionally I mess up. This is why I don't like the phrase, which if you know me, you've heard me say this, I didn't fall off the wagon. I jumped. Anybody's like, well, I fell off the wagon. As if like, oh, I'm just going along in the wagon and, oh, I fell. No. I, I am an amateur actor, all right? No, I was going along in the wagon. I saw something on the ground that I liked. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Woo, I jumped. Come on, somebody, are you with me? That's why we sin, because we love it. We love the darkness. Let me give you another example. Have you ever watched a movie during the daytime or gone to a play or been somewhere where it's really dark, and then you walk outside, and all of a sudden, like you're like, whoa, that's blinding. Because your pupils have dilated so big to where they have tried to bring in as much light as possible because it was dark. And then you go outside and there's light. And now you've ever had that test done where they get really big and like all day at the doctor you have to wear glasses because your life's so bright you gotta wear shades, right? And so, anybody reference on that song? Okay, okay, okay. When the light shows up, you're like, oh. Jesus is saying, That's what happened when he showed up. When he showed up, everybody loved the darkness, but the light showed up, and instead of walking into it, they hid back into the darkness because that's where they had grown comfortable. That's just what they knew. And this is the judgment. We talked about that a few weeks ago. It's the word crisis. So God will expose in our life our darkness by bringing the light on and how you respond in that moment shows what you really love. This is why I don't understand like whether it's premarital counseling, post uh, you know what I'm saying, pastoral care, and I'll show up, people will show up and we'll tell them what they need to do and then they'll debate with us about whether or not they need to do it that's always the best. I'm like, why'd you come here? Did you come here for us to just affirm the darkness? Because that's not what we do. We don't affirm sin. Why? Because just because it might be natural and comfortable to you doesn't make it right and doesn't lead to life. And so if we don't have this desire within us that when the light shows up to run towards it, then we don't believe. Let me give you another scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. I have this one on the screen. Paul said this: In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing, watch this, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is what I was, again, just unpacking a little bit more from last week. We, we don't believe because we can't. Because when the light shows up, our natural inclination is to hide. Because we love it. But there's also another supernatural power at play. The God of this world, Paul calls him the devil, who's blinding our eyes. Another way you could say it is he's lying to you. Because when the light shows up, you just want to hide, and he's like, Yeah, just keep hiding. Why do you think when God showed up in the garden with Adam and Eve, God says, Where are you? Is it because God didn't know where they were? No, he knew. If he ever asks you a question, it's not because he don't know. It's for your benefit, not his. And then they had to say, We're naked. And shame, so we hid. And God said, who told you that? Who told you that? Let me, let me say it to you like this. If you're living in the dark, you better check the lies that you believe. Because you've been lied to, my friend. You're being lied to. You're being blinded. Why? Because the goal of God is, is to get you out of the dark. In fact, if you're taking notes, this is the second point that Jesus said. You can write this down. The goal of God is to get us out of the darkness. The goal of God is to get us out of the darkness. See, Jesus said, if you believe in me, you believe him who sent me. And then he said this, so that you won't remain in darkness. Remain. That means to continue in a current state. It means I was in that state. What's interesting is the same exact word, and we'll get in this when we get into John 15, for abide, remain. You won't remain in darkness. There's several times Paul addresses this about when God shows up and he gives a list of sins and then he says, such were you. That's what you were before Christ showed up. But thank God when he showed up, you didn't have to stay that way. See, the goal of God is to get us out of the darkness. Let me give you one more supporting scripture. First Peter chapter two, verse nine and 10. You can just write these down as a reference. Again, I've got them here on the screen. Peter says, just, I'm just trying to give you every apostle I can think of. John, Paul, Peter. Look at this one. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may, may proclaim the excellencies of him who, watch this, who called you out of what? Darkness and into his marvelous what? Uh, we gotta talk it like we're actually excited about it, all right, and that we actually get to proclaim this. Not that you have to, you get to, that you may. You couldn't before, now you can. So let's try that again. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of what? And into his marvelous what? Light. Light. This is why we wrote songs about it. Anybody that went to maybe, I don't know if it was that same camp we talked about earlier, but there was a worship song that went around back in the early 2000s called Marvelous Light. And it was this marvelous light that I have found. And there's one part in the songs that says, lift your hands and spin around. It's everybody stand up and do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. That's when you're like, I ain't standing up here. I ain't doing that. You know, I barely stand up, but y'all tell me to say, I ain't doing that. But here's the deal. When you understand that he called you out of darkness and called you into his marvelous light, you want to. You want to lift your hands up and spin around. Because here's what I know it's what I was saying earlier. I didn't love God, I loved the dark. But the light showed up and he overcame my resistance to him, enabled me to believe. And now that I believe so that I can proclaim the excellences of him to say, I'm not who I used to be. I'm not stuck in the dark anymore. I can walk in the lights because he called me into it. Look at this verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And this is where we have to understand, again, God will either give justice or he will give mercy. And people wrestle with it, like we talked about last week, this whole sovereignty, free will deal. But when you understand the biblical definition of free will, not the secular one, that we're all free to choose whatever we want. No, we are in bondage to sin, and that's all we will ever choose. And when you understand that God overcame that and gave you the ability to now choose him to walk in his light, that is a result of his mercy. You got mercy. But there are going to be some, no one believes that everybody is saved. That is universalism. No one believes that in Orthodox Christianity. So there are going to be people that believe and don't believe. But those that believe believe as a result of God's mercy. And those who don't will get God's justice. See, God is a God of justice. We've been having that conversation over the last several years, which is great. I preached through Micah last year, one of the key texts about justice. But here is the summation. God will either judge you or he will judge Jesus for you. Somebody will get the justice. And the good news of the gospel is, He took the justice so that you could get the mercy. You got the mercy. And what was the mercy? He called you out of darkness into light. You can see now. You can see. You can believe. You can lift your hands and spin around. Let's go back to John chapter 12. Verse 47 and 48, speaking of justice, look at what Jesus says. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Verse 48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. This is why you have to read your Bible correctly. And verse 47, if you just rip that out of context, people would use it as a verse to see, even Jesus says, he don't judge me. Judge not lest you be judged. It's one of people's favorite out of context verses to ever use. Verse 48 says, you do have a judge. It's his words. So watch this. Jesus was talking about his purpose when he came. He didn't come to judge the world. Why? He came to take the judgment. He came to take it. He came to take the justice of God in our place for our sins. Again, another one of my pet peeves when people are like, I don't like the God of the Old Testament, I like the God of the New Testament. They don't say it like that. It's just my rendition of it, all right? And they think that the God of the Old Testament is mean and the God of the New Testament is nice. Listen, same God, and the God of the Old Testament judged sin, and the God of the New Testament judges sin too, but this time he judged it on his son. So don't look at that and think, oh, the old one, Old Testament God was bad. The New Testament God is good. He's so like, I like, Je- I like Jesus. He likes children and he hugs lambs. And you miss. God is so, what the Old Testament was establishing is the holiness of God and how he had to judge sin. But you still see the grace and mercy throughout the Old Testament. And what you see in the New Testament is the in the greatest act of mercy that's ever been given, God is judging sin and simultaneously judging sin and giving mercy to everybody who believes in the one who was judged. God is so holy he had to, but he is so merciful he chose to judge someone else in your place. That's the story. But people read that and they think, well, Jesus was judged in my place. Therefore, you can't judge me. No, Jesus says, you have a judge. It's my word. What's interesting is the Greek word logos, which is the thing that John 1 says Jesus is. But it's his word. Everything that he said and was written about him judges you. Here's what that means. Not only did Jesus come to save you from sin, watch this, his word now becomes the standard of what is sin. And again, another pet peeve, people are like, well, Jesus never talked about this specific sin. Jesus didn't talk about it, so therefore, I can do it. Nope because there's plenty of other verses in the Bible that do talk about it, and those are his word. This is why I don't like red letters in your Bible. If you have that edition, I'm not saying you should burn it because that'd be sacrilegious. I'm just saying they're all his words. The red ones don't carry, they, <laughs> they weren't written in red, y'all. <laughs> we printed them that way. And there are people that are like, I'm red letter Christians. I'm the whole word Christian. Because all of it is his word. And there's a standard. And watch this, here's why. Why would God go through great lengths to save you out of sin to then be okay for you to walk right back into it? Why would he go to great lengths to bring you out of the darkness and be like, I'm cool, go right back into it? No. And I said this many, many times. The grace of God is not a license to keep sinning. It's the power of God to do right now. I didn't have the ability. I only had the ability to live in the darkness. But now, because of Christ, He not only saved me from the darkness, but empowered me to walk in the light. So I still have a judge. You and I still have a judge. It's the word of God. And we will be judged against that. Which let me leave you these last two verses to understand the purpose of that, to see that God really is a merciful God. Verse 49 and 50. Jesus says, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment. Jesus is saying, he sent me, he says it, I say it. What to say and what to speak. Verse 50, check this. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Do you understand that God gave us the commandments for our good? In fact, if you're taking notes, here's my last one. God's commandments are always for our good and lead to life are always for our good and lead to life. One of the greatest lies that you and I have ever believed is that somehow God is not out for our good, that somehow the commandments of God are actually going to lead to less joy. When Jesus says, listen, every commandment we ever given you, every commandment that the Father ever told me that I'm telling you is life. It's life. You wanna know why we don't believe God? Because that darkness is in us. And we think, like every teenager thinks, I got to get out of here while I still know everything. Because my parents are trying to ruin my fun. And a good parent knows I'm not trying to ruin your fun. I'm trying to maximize it. You want to know why the world has gone crazy? You want to know why we won't even have conversations now as a society about what is truth? Because you and I fundamentally are not on a truth quest. We're on a joy quest. And the greatest lie that we ever believe is that joy can be found outside of the commandments of God. That joy can be found in the darkness, not in the light. But anybody who's lived in the darkness and now has come into the light knows Oh, yeah, sin might be fun for a season, but darkness leads to death. And church, the, but the message of Jesus, again, this is a summary. Remember that. The message of Jesus is he died to get you to God. And what's so good about God? Watch this. What does the Bible say? That in his presence are joys forevermore. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus into the darkness to a people who loved the darkness and didn't want the light to come. Thank you that you didn't wait until we wanted you to send him Because then you would have never sent him because we never wanted you. But the Bible says that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died. You judged him in our place to get us out of the dark. For whoever believes in him will not remain in darkness. God, we know that there are people here today that are still living in darkness. We ask you now to overcome that darkness and save them. No one looking around or talking here as we close, but if there's never become a a moment, a point in time in your life where God opened your eyes to see the truth that you love the darkness and saved you and judged you Jesus in your place where you've confessed and believed then the words of Jesus very clearly the message of Jesus was repent believe and have life so if you want to do that today receive the mercy of God, be saved then you can pray with me, you don't have to do it out loud but it goes like this, say Father Thank you for loving me, that you sent your son in my place for my sin. I ask you now to save me, forgive me, call me out of the darkness and into your marvelous light. Give me the grace through this faith to follow Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Again, nobody looking around or talking here as we close, but if you just pray to trust Jesus and you're in one of our physical locations, would you just simply lift your hand up so we can see that? Thank you. We got men and women are gonna walk around, put a gift in your hand, and when they do, you can put it down. In just a moment, you'll have an opportunity to fill out a digital connection card if you're online and made that or in person so we can know who you are. But then those of us who have trusted Jesus, I I say this often because I want you to be clear and not confused. If there is still darkness, which you're still alive and human, so there is, Because God saves you out of it, but then empowers you to walk in the light, but we still struggle with our flesh. That doesn't mean that you need to get saved again. You've been called out of it, but now you need to walk in it. So we don't need to be saved again, but we do need to, and it is okay to ask God to empower you, to give you the grace to walk in the light that you now have and believe that those commands that he has given you are for your good and will lead to life. Father, I pray that you would help us because we struggle, and you know we struggle, but help us to believe that you are good and you want good and every command that you've given us, whether it's about marriage, whether it's about money, whatever it is, God, Help us to know that your commandments are good and they're for our good and you are out for our joy. And so therefore, if we will simply obey you, we will have more light and more life and more joy. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.